Hi, how are you? Welcome back to our podcast. I'm Eric, and I'm here with my co-host, Cam. Hi. Thank you, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, we're tired this week, but we're trying. Um, and this oh week we're going to be talking about a new Netflix show. I think it dropped last week or the week before. I don't know. Um, it's called I Am Not Okay With This. And yeah. We're going over a bunch of different topics, like subtopics within I Am Not Okay With This. We're going to start by talking about what we thought of it as a whole. Um, then we're going to get into a little bit of the nostalgic aspect of it, which you guys will probably understand as we talk about it. Um, and then we're going to talk about the music and then we are going to dive deeper into just like the things it reminds us of um, in regards to other media and stuff like that. And lots of fun. What were your initial thoughts? What did you think once you finished it? What did you think once you started it actually? Because I know that you weren't that into it when you started it. Yeah, like you said, it was kind of slow, but that's like with any show for me. I feel like the first couple episodes, or even like the first season can be kind of slow. But mm-hmm. after like, I liked the cast, Sophia Lillis, I, I liked her in It, both the It's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I was, I guess I wasn't really surprised she got her own show. I feel like. It makes sense. She, yeah, she could be like the, one of the new Netflix. I was surprised that, that the guy that plays Stan was in it. Um, because I felt like it felt like they were together like on the show they were in it together because they were both in it but it didn't feel like when we were watching it that um, that those two would be the ones that would like collaborate yeah. again yeah yeah Especially, I don't even think their characters like interacted that much in it um, yeah I don't yeah even, no, I, mean, I, agree. I don't know yeah I was kind of surprised too I think they might have just like hit it off on the set of it and then like carried on and yeah like i don't know maybe one of them like suggested the other for being on the show or, or something um mm-hmm. yeah i have no idea how casting processes work me neither i think you can like i don't know truly i don't want to sound stupid so i won't try and guess but um, yeah i liked it and for a while i was really confused on when it was set um mm-hmm. and the same thing with happened with sabrina too like i didn't realize sabrina was supposed to be set in like the 90s or whatever um it yeah because like there's never any phones or anything or any cell phones there's no technology they're never on any sense. computers but like last season i know you haven't watched watched it yet she she literally said t or like sabrina said t to something and i was like mm-hmm. Isn't, i don't i didn't know when it was supposed to be taking place and so it was kind of the same thing with that but once like the plot kicked up and it became more focused on her powers and yeah know, less of like the high school focus that's always hard for me because i feel like it it's so overdone like i feel like well i i love shit like that so <laughs> for me i was like so oh, jot okay, that cool. down <laughs> <laughs> i because i watch stuff like sabrina and i watch stuff like yeah fucking like riverdale and like you know like everything that is on netflix that's catered to like my demographic yeah. i like i'm on board with that shit i like it um, if it's not cliche because high school yeah. stuff is so common it mm-hmm. i feel like it's hard to get a new pers- perspective or like angle on it even if it is about someone with fucking telekinetic powers <laughs> like, yeah but i feel like they're still um, a teenager. yeah 
well just in regards to like the things that it reminds us of like it's so similar to stranger things in that regard mm-hmm. of like main girl doesn't understand her powers fully doesn't understand what's going on with her but wants to live a normal like a nice a life of normalcy yeah um, and i feel like they're so similar in that regard plus i think um it's uh produced by the it's produced by sean levy who also produces stranger things hmm. so it was interesting to me that um someone that produced stranger things that like it was like known that his name was going to be attached to it yeah and known that people were going to be like from the producer of stranger things like yeah, would create something that's so similar yeah yeah it's, it's just interesting to me because it feels very similar to stranger things and it feels very similar to the same time frame of like the 80s yeah even though um, it's not which is wild even though like because i thought i think it was i don't know exact episodes but um i think the first time that uh sid uh who i'm assuming everyone that watched this or that's listening to this has watched the show uh but sid the main character um we will be spoilers (laughs) 10 minutes yeah exactly yeah we (laughs) fuck um after we've already spoiled things there's gonna be spoilers (laughs) the lead actress (laughs) i said something about you said something about uh telekinetic powers oh shit yeah my bad Sorry. Yeah, but go on. (laughs) (laughs) Might be. But, um, oh my god, I literally forgot what I was fucking saying. (laughs) The first time that a phone was used was when Sid was texting Stan um, about music and about Blood Witch. And even, like, especially Sam's character, the way he dresses, or sorry, Stan, (laughs) um, like, the way he dresses, and like you said, uh, even the oh, fuck the scene leading up to the one where it shows her on her phone, you still mm-hmm. almost don't even know because they show him in like a very like dim lit old looking basement and he has he's playing vinyl. So I feel like especially then it, you wouldn't have known. And even the car that um I'm I'm pretty sure like his dad's car or whatever is introduced before that and even the car that he's in is a vintage yeah. car. Yeah. Um and any of the cars on the street, they don't show any cars that are, like, whatever, like, 2019 cars. Yeah. Um, they don't show any, like, fucking, like, Hondas or anything like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's classic everything. And the coloring, yeah. um, the color, even yeah. just the coloring of the scenes and the way that things are shot, um, and the way that things are framed, even, they do a lot of, yeah. um, yeah. a lot of frames where it shows full backgrounds of things, mm-hmm. so it'll show a full, like, whatever like brown wall or whatever with just a shot of like sid sitting in front of it and that gives off the vibe of it being like the 80s the 70s mm-hmm. like just the coloring that was very popular back then yeah sort of gives off that vibe and i think which like, is really interesting oh it is and i think they they obviously definitely purposefully do that i think they also mm-hmm. don't really show a lot of technology for that same reason because you can just kind of make it up in your head like when it is taking place and that's probably for the best i remember i don't know i always think about that one degrassi scene where one of the kids has like a cell phone for the first time and it's like a flip mm-hmm. phone that has a big fucking antenna on it and he's like yeah you can even get on the internet on it and it like just like going back and watching that it looks so dated but yeah it ages things yeah but this it's like you it could be at any point in any time i mean yeah we can assume but it looks pretty like you said cl- timeless and classic mm-hmm I was reading this article um, that 
Sophie Gilbert wrote. Um, shout out Sophie. How exciting. Um, Sophie and Gilbert, great. Uh, and she said that um, I'm not okay with this has a, per- a particular aesthetic that it's come to define as some of Netflix's best shows about teenagers. Um, okay. It says that like sex education, which I haven't watched, um, it appears to exist in an odd retro hinterland with analog technology and more and modern mores where teenagers talk fluently about body positivity and vaping and pansexuality but they don't seem to have heard about the internet so just like constant tropes of like things that we would consider today's age things like fucking yeah. like vaping and like Talking. like sexuality and just stuff like yeah. that um and it says that every home is a 70s uh, torment in varying shades of brown but the moment is probably now <laughs> um, but that it's a version of now that's sanitized stripped of contemporary anxiety and filtered through a John Hughes movie lens yeah I felt very John Hughes vibes <laughs> like, like I think you compared it to The Breakfast Club which which each character had a certain trope and maybe mm-hmm. it was supposed to be like that maybe it was supposed to be kind of cliche but mm-hmm. yeah I felt yeah, each one had their own role. Well, I think just in terms of even, like, things that it remind reminds us of, like, we're going to get into the Carrie thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, they had a whole episode um, that was similar to The Breakfast Club uh, because they had a whole episode where they were, like, in detention. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the, whole, the episode where um, she knocks over all the bookcases in the library. Spoilers. Oh. <laughs> is it it was very reminiscent of the breakfast club and very um they were all just sitting on the bleachers and they all were like trapped i don't know i don't want to say trapped but like uh they smoked weed in the school mm -hmm. Um, yeah and yeah i forgot about that episode that episode was wild Mm -hmm. um i feel like it also just like the whole episode is sort of mm, picking fun at the fact that they're leaning on nostalgia and that they're using nostalgia as a source of like I don't know like pulling people in mm-hmm. um, because I feel like that appeals to a larger audience because there's going to be people like me that watch it that were born in like 98 <laughs> um, and then there are going to be people younger than me that watch it and there are going to be people that older than me that watch it um, and the people older than me that watch it I feel like they're just watching it because it gives off that vibe of like yeah. this is what it was like when we were teenagers yeah and they hear all the songs that they loved and shit like I don't think there's mm-hmm. very many songs that were past like 80s or 90s like it's all very no, yeah. older set music I, um, there's something for mm-hmm. everyone I was looking up um, the music score and I found like a list of every song that was included and like I think the oldest song that they used was uh, in 1959 and it was in the end of episode 5 and then I'm on the dock just like reading and then um, (laughs) there was (laughs) there was music um, that was inspired by the 70s and the 80s um, and then there was music that like primarily was um Primarily, the music that they used was from the 70s and the 80s. Um, I don't think that they used any music from 
like before the nine or after the nineties. And yeah. I think any music that they did use um, that was after that had a sound that sounded very similar to what you would hear in the eighties. Yeah, like synthy kind of. Mm-hmm. Shit. And I think yeah. they also used um, more popular music from the eighties sometimes to yeah. sort of like set a vibe. Like I know that they played um, "Holding Out for a Hero" when mm-hmm. uh, they did the superhero um, test. Yeah. Uh, with Stan and Sid, yeah, which I, I thought was really interesting, especially because um, I know you don't watch superhero things, but I'm like the biggest nerd about yeah, Marvel, and Marvel. I love Marvel. I love. I don't. I don't love DC, but I watch the DC movies, um, and uh, in tea, <laughs> next podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, my friend, my friend Jimmy, he loves DC and he loves Harley Quinn. Hi, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> um, he's gonna slay me for saying that I hate DC, but not my not my cup of tea. Ooh. But I watched um, the movie Shazam, which is a DC movie, and in Shazam, uh, there's a character named um, Freddy uh, who is. Billy's best friend and Billy is Shazam. Okay. <laughs> um, Freddy, <laughs> I'm like making sure you're keeping up. Okay. Um, uh, Freddy, who's Billy's best friend, they have this whole sequence where um, Freddy helps Billy like find out what his superpowers are. Um, and the guy, interesting fact, um, the guy that plays Freddy uh, is also um, someone that was in the movie It. Uh, he played. Because oh oh, okay. it's like kids in Shazam. Um, oh shit, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's. Oh my god, in Shazam, it's. I think they're like 13 or 14. And yeah. then the kid turns into Shazam and he becomes an adult. And he can like turn it on and off. Like he can turn being Shazam on and off, so he'll turn back into a kid. Weird. Um, but Freddy is always like fourteen or fifteen, and he's played by the guy in It that has like he was like a hypochondriac. Me, the yeah. guy with the gazebo line. Um, and he's played by that man, or played by him, and I think that's a fun fact. That is, but tying <laughs> it back to It. Yeah, tying it back. Everything's connected. We're um, trying. <laughs> we're trying so hard to make so these transitions smooth. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> but so that that scene and that sense of like uh, doing. Oh my god, I'm like fucking. I'm stuttering so fucking better now. Would have fun. Uh, <laughs> that sense of doing a sequence where you help someone find out their superpowers and shit like that. It's yeah. sort of a more common thing. Um, and I feel like they played the music, like the well-known music from the 80s in that scene in I'm Not Okay With This, just to sort of like hone in on the importance of it. Yeah. Um, and to hone in on the fact that like, this is gonna be an important scene because it's literally uh, showing us like what she can and can't do. Yeah. When she doesn't even know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think her powers was really interesting. I feel like for most of the season she didn't have a lot of control over it um 
obviously she's just figuring it out but um going back to the library scene like when all those bookcases knocked over or whatever um and i know like obviously we (laughs) we went back on this but we were going to talk about the ending first like before we like talk about anything else but um in that scene is like the first time you see that shadow man or whatever or that lurking figure and then that's brought back up at the very end of the season and you're kind Mm -hmm. of left wondering what part that plays into the powers like her telekinetic powers or if it's i don't know if it's unrelated it probably isn't but you're kind of just left there to assume i think there's a lot of um like stan refers to sid as a superhero a lot too but Mm -hmm. then it's like is she really a superhero if she is killing someone like if she killed someone who arguably did he wasn't a good dude um he like almost outed her uh but it sort of like begs the question of like is she a superhero is this like an origin story like is the next season going to become something i know you don't watch marvel but (laughs) um in marvel there's a lot of uh origin stories so a lot of stories that like yeah back to stories and then it'll connect to avengers which is just like the group of them um working together to defeat a like larger evil force um so i think it sort of begs the question of like if this is just an origin story for something that is going to be something much larger next season um or if she's just like a visual anti like uh like deadpool or like kick-ass um yeah where there's not where she has like where she is kind of shitty and just kills people um but she has like a soft spot for some people that are good um yeah i (laughs) i don't know i guess it's kind of like a free-for-all i guess the show was based off a comic from 2017 Mm -hmm. i didn't know that and i guess she actually like trigger warning kills herself at the end of it oh my god didn't know that um so i feel like they and i haven't it came out a couple years ago i haven't read it obviously i just fucking figured out it existed um yeah but i feel like uh, they changed it for that reason. Like, I think they did the same. I don't. Did they do the same thing on Thirteen Reasons Why? Did they change the ending or something? Um, they didn't change the ending, but the second season and everything since then has been original source material. Okay, I. So, at the end good. of season one of Thirteen Reasons Why, like Hannah, you know, is still dead. Okay. Um, I think they changed how like, she did it. Is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, they did. Okay. They did. Um. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. So I feel like they obviously purposely changed that so they could leave room for season two. Well, um, they did that in um, the show End of the Fucking World as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is this is also created by the people that created End of the Fucking World. Uh, so oh, we're all at, connected, huh? I know. Yeah. Um. So the end of season one of End of the Fucking World probably going to be spoilers if you haven't watched that and plan to uh somebody one of the main characters um gets shot in uh the graphic novel for end of the fucking world um and that's supposed to just be like the end of it the end of the like it's supposed to be like a really shitty bleak ending um and that's supposed to be it 
And then I I haven't watched season two of End of the Fucking World, but I'm either. assuming they have to go off of original source material after that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm wondering if that's what they're going to have to do for I'm not okay with this. I think so. And I feel like, I mean, they have complete creative control. They can make the show anything they want. Like, they did mm-hmm. breaking reasons why, so they can create a whole new world, and maybe they will give her, like, a origin story, and maybe they will make it, like, that, like, a superhero kind of setting. I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, they started talking about um, her dad, uh, because she was, like, Sid was, like, I don't know how this is happening to me, um, or, like, where this is coming from, and, like, all this stuff, and they were talking about her dad and how her dad came home from war, I think. Uh, and he had like PTSD mm-hmm. and he had um, like a voice in his head and stuff like that. And her mom wrote it off as being like, it's just having PTSD, but I think it was supposed to allude to him having the same issues that she did and him not being able to handle it. Hmm. Um, so maybe it'll be, she could learn more about her dad next season. Yeah, I think so. Because she was, um, she was really close with her dad, I think, before um, before he died. I might be yeah, wrong about that. I, that's how it seemed, because when her mom, her mom, like, popped off on her in one episode, or one scene, mm-hmm. where she was like, he wasn't what you thought he was, or, like, something like that, I don't know, or you always put him above me, and I don't know, yeah. something like that, so maybe, yeah. I mean. She was like, um, she was like, you would always choose him over me, and yeah, even that, like, even in death, you still choose him over me, which was yeah, a hard-hitting scene that was crazy yeah that was a really sad scene i felt for her mom yeah that's good though uh that was so good um do you want to discuss the music a little bit more yeah do you want to talk about blood witch introduce me to blood witch right because i when i listen to or when i watch shows and stuff i don't really listen to music scores a lot like i listen to it and I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And if there's a song that I like, I look it up uh, like on Spotify or whatever, and I'll save it. But you are like much more into music than I am, and you're much mm-hmm. more into how music sounds. And honestly, I get most of my music recommendations from you. So, uh-huh. uh, aw. Um, so when you mentioned Bloodwitch, uh, and you were the one that told me that it was fictional, I was like, holy shit! Like that makes this so much cooler it is um, very rare that like a band will be made for the show or music yeah. will. i mean it's not rare yeah. but, like a whole ass band they made like an album for the show yeah which is so interesting so um for those of you listening uh blood Witch was stanley's um favorite band that he mentions um in i think episode two four? i thought it was two i think it was two it was before like it's her powers came around. yeah oh okay Oh, yeah, 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 because it was, like, right when they were becoming friends. Yeah. Um, so, oh, wait, I literally have a quote. I'm stupid. It was you, I was, like, reading it. I was like, I can read um, this. Oh, my God. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so, it says that, um, while walking back home in episode one, Sid runs into Stanley, who starts to bring up his favorite band, Blood Witch, as a way to get her to hang out with him after school. And while they don't end up hanging out together, Stanley texts her that night and sends her a link to one of their tracks. Um, prompting them to listen to it together in their separate rooms uh, and it starts the first connection between them um, and it's used as a musical, a musical connection between them because it makes Sid just for some reason um, 
once she listens to that song and she like sees the way he dresses and she just sees how like obscure he is as a person. Um, yeah, she's drawn to that. Exactly. She's drawn to someone because she thinks that she's weird. Um, so she is drawn to someone that might be as weird as she is, even though I don't yeah. think either of them are that weird. Um, I also, sorry to interrupt. Okay. Like I, one thing she said was like when she first Stanley was first introduced, she was like one thing about Stan is he truly does not give a fuck, and I think mm-hmm. she liked that because I wish I think she wishes she couldn't give a fuck because the whole series she's confused why she has so much anger and like yeah. boiling like this boiling feeling inside of her and she just wishes she didn't have to give a fuck about anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And I think she loves that about him. And I think just the musical connection of it mm-hmm. makes her even more drawn to him. Um, because it's, in her mind at least, Blood Witch is this really obscure band uh, that nobody knows about, quite literally nobody. <laughs> um, and she just thinks that's super cool. Uh, so Blood Witch um, is fictional, completely fictional. And uh, they were mentioned in the graphic novel that we were talking about. Uh, but the music, um, there was like five, I want to say five songs, um, that were created, uh, that were introduced in the show. Um, and it was Shannon Carlin. Uh, she said that, uh, Coxon, who wrote the music for Blood Witch, um, came up with the whole backstory for the band. Um, the female male duo started in 1983. Um, when they were 16 and 19, and then they were influenced by Zelda Underground, My Bloody Valentine, and The Jesus of Mary Chain. Um, All big 80s bands. Mm-hmm. 90s. Um, Blood Witch is sort of a mixture of a lot of bands that they loved when they were a teenager. Um, and he said that he would classify the band's sound as cute folk horror, uh, which feels... <laughs> <laughs> which he feels um, complements the show's natural charm. It did have uh, like a very eerie, like haunting sound to it, which was mm-hmm. perfect for the show. And I feel like it was really um, all of the music that I know from the '80s is sort of like pop sounding uh, for the most part. Yeah, I'm talking <laughs> Paula Abdul. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't even want to like list bands because I feel like I'm going to misstate them. But uh, I feel like it was really interesting because a band that they created now um, for this show has the same sound as something in the 80s, mm-hmm. which just like further proves like how much they're trying to lean into that nostalgia. Yeah. And they can control so. it so easily. Even if, like you said, it's subtle or they're, they are poking fun at it, like they know that's a big point of this whole thing is mm-hmm. the nostalgia factors because like you said anyone can watch it and someone that saw the original Carrie in the 70s or the 80s or whatever they're gonna mm-hmm. see that homage to it and they're gonna yeah they're gonna want that for that reason yeah which we still have to get into but music sorry um, sorry <laughs> no you're okay you're okay um you're good i apologize I'm a... oh my god you don't have to apologize i literally get off topic like every five seconds Cut out um, Eric's apology at, <laughs> at 3030. Um, but the creator of the fictional band and the creator of, or the composer, I guess, um, mm-hmm. of that music uh, also created 
the music for End of the Fucking World. Uh, and I don't know, I just thought it was cool that they used the same people um, to create music across the platforms. Like, they trust those people to provide them with the sound that they want and with the things yeah. that they want. Especially um, when they care- so carefully picked out the music before. Yeah. And I think it's cool also that I didn't really notice the the music score in End of the Fucking World, so I don't know if it was, like, super dope or not, um, or if they cared about it as much in End of the Fucking World as they do in yes, I'm Not Okay With This. Um, but, I don't know, I thought it was cool that they put enough care into it this time around that they specifically chose music from these decades. Um, yeah because they felt like that resonated with the show. And I thought that was really interesting. I also think it's really, this is getting off topic, but um, I know we kind of touched on it being similar to Stranger Things, um, but I thought it was really interesting that uh, they both took place in the 80s, or I guess they didn't take place in the 80s, but they both, Stranger Things took place in the 80s, whereas this show feels like it could take place in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's really interesting that both people sort of have the same powers almost that's true um and i thought it was just an interesting like we talked about um there being an homage to carrie but i feel like there was also an homage to 11 yeah um especially with the the way that sid's hair is cut and just like the way that she looks overall yeah i feel like is supposed to give us like stranger things vibes and maybe that's just me reading into it because I'm a fan of both. Yeah, you. But. I feel like you. I like Stranger Things, and I watch it because you obviously like recommended it to me. But I feel like mm-hmm. you pay more attention to like those kind of things than I would. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I can love Eleven. <laughs> you do, and you love. Um, oh my God, don't even know her friend's name. Max. Oh Max, my God, I love you. Max. I feel like in a perfect world where I'm not okay with this was actually set in the '80s. Max and Sid would just be best friends. I fully support that idea. You never um, know. And I'm sure there are people that have written it. <laughs> I'm sure there are. Let's talk about Wattpad. Fuck. Sure. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, originally, um, the music for Blood Witch was only supposed to be one song. Um, and it was supposed to be just the song that Stan introduced Sid to. Uh but then um, Graham Coxon, who wrote the music, uh, just kept writing songs for Blood Witch, um, and they ended up using, I think, like like I said, like five of them. That's crazy. Uh, which is just so cool. I think that's cool because, like, obviously his past music taste influenced that, but also like the setting and the muse from the show gave him enough that he wrote like an EP of songs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really cool. I don't know, like you said, it plays so much into the nostalgia and, like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of care was put into Mm -hmm. the point of that, which I know we know, but I feel like it was so behind it, the whole show. Yeah. I think even, like, the vocals for it, too, sort of, like, were supposed to represent Sid and Stan just because there was a female and a male in it, because you so easily could just, like, have a guy singing the music, um... 
like he like graham who wrote it he could have so easily just like done the vocals himself but he like chose to include someone else in there like a girl in there with him yeah um and i don't maybe again that might just be me reading into it but i feel like that's a good sort of just like representative of their like tying them together yeah their duality is so key in the whole show Mm -hmm. they play with each other really well well because i feel like without just like even from a comedic standpoint they have really good chemistry but i think um even just like stan as a person like like sid literally yeah yeah they're so different like stan is so chill (laughs) yeah and even like he has this like tension with his dad that he sort of like just blows by and he like is i don't want to say he's okay with it but compared to Sid, who is not okay with anything, um, and who she has all these emotions and she gets so frustrated and she, like, can't get a grasp of what she's going through, as opposed to Stan that, like, has been dealing with this stuff with his dad for a while, um, and he sort of is, like, learned to deal with it and learn to be okay with all of it. I feel like they're just very polar, like, polarizing characters that work really well together. Yeah, I think like one of the first scenes that they fought, I was kind of shook because he finally, she was always like had a bit of an attitude towards him and was kind of mean. But like, I think he said like, you're just even being more of a dick today than usual or something like that. And it was just like, Mm -hmm. it was uh, that difference in their, their personalities, I think is the only reason they were able to work so well. Mm-hmm. because she, well, yeah he just i don't know i don't even know how to explain it yeah i think even the scene where like uh he was like he was like i bet i can make you mad oh, um yeah. and he just sort of like shit talks her mm-hmm. um and like immediately after i think that's the scene where the bowling balls like yeah, go through the wall yeah mm-hmm. i think immediately after she does that he's like holy shit like that was so cool and he just like flips the switch of being like really mean to her like and you can tell he didn't mean any of it yeah um, he knew it would get to exactly he knew it would, it would make her mad and you can tell he just like cares about her so much especially because she like literally tells him that she's interested in someone else yeah i was gonna um, talk about that the romantic part that was there yeah oh my god we should bring that up but he he tells her or she tells him that she's interested in someone else and he's just like kind of okay with it um he's like i'd rather like have you in my life as a friend than not have you at all (laughs) Uh, but i think it's so cool and so it's just such an interesting dynamic to have um it is because i feel like it's just very very telling of uh their friendship that that they can i don't know that he can Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. He can, he can put his uh his romantic feelings past that. Yeah. Was, and oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just. Was that the same? That was. Oh, sorry. Was that the same time she told him she kissed someone at that party, or was that after? Because he I also didn't care. <laughs> he still asked her to fucking homecoming. I don't remember. It might have. Okay. I think it was after. Probably. I think she kept still thinking about I think it friend. was I think it was at homecoming or maybe okay. I might be wrong I might be wrong I might be just like slandering Stan's character right now but um 
We get the whole show wrong. Literally, we're just like we didn't even watch Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we watched season three of Sabrina instead. God, no, we didn't. I'm like, damn, there's all these witches yeah, in this show. I said seventeen year old at a bar. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Anyway, um, do we want to talk about the romance as a whole? Because it's not really like a love triangle. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so um, either. It's very complicated, though. It is. I don't... It very much starts out with um, Stan, kind of... I don't know, because, like... I don't want to say he initiated it, because he just talked to her first, but... Um, <laughs> like, the first time they got high together, the first time she smoked was, like, they slept together, too. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that probably confused her and she might have already been confused anyway and i think like the i think it was in the second episode or whatever maybe it was the first when like her and her friend were walking to the diner and then Mm -hmm. that boyfriend her boyfriend shows up um forgetting all these character names sorry uh it seemed like jealousy was there but then also like she mentioned that she just never had a best friend before and she didn't know what it felt like so i think she probably got those feelings mixed up too um which is so scary because i feel like like we were talking about it playing into like tropes of like i don't know just classic tropes and i feel like gay girl going after best friend, <laughs> friend yeah it's such a classic trope. Literally, for... MTV had a whole show about it. <laughs> my God, faking it. Oh my God, uh, <laughs> a whole nother podcast episode we could get into. Oh my God, we talk about awkward for two hours. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I feel like it plays into that too. But also at the end, um, well, first of all, yeah, Sid and Dina kissed at a party, and. I feel like that just even further confused Sid. Um, oh yeah. Because, well, how did how did Dina even react? She was just like, she was she, like, "Whoa." Yeah, we we're just messing around or something. Or yeah. We were just. I don't even know what they were doing before. I don't know if they were cuddling or. I don't remember how they even ended up in the situation. I know they were drinking though, and then yeah, Sid kissed Dina, and then it was weird after that. Yeah. And Sid. But laughed. then. But then in the the Breakfast Club episode, um, <laughs> the new title, uh, Sid found out that Brad was cheating on Dina, yeah, yeah. Um, and like exposed that uh, and told like, told her uh, because Brad right before then was like was like we should have a truce. Oh, um, yeah. she thought it was weird. Yeah, and then she and then Sid found out. And basically was like fuck you brad uh as any logical person would um and expose that yeah um um the girl that he cheated on dino with like there was a scene in the episode two where they were all in the bleachers um mm-hmm. and she was like no one would want to fuck you sid and both stan and dina said hey like it didn't it kind of didn't feel like don't say that about my friend like they Stan, who just slept with her, reacted the same way that her best friend did. I don't know if that would yeah. like anything, but that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Um, interesting. So um, I, I feel like there probably were like because we only watched it once, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like there were probably clues that Dina was 
interested in Sid um, from that moment or even from like before that because uh, at the end um, Dina was like like at the very last episode Dina was like I didn't hate the fact that we kissed Um, and they sort of left it at that uh, and then Sid proceeded to kill her boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) or her ex-boyfriend I guess is this you? Is this the episode of you? <laughs> or the whole series? Oh my god. Um, A whole fucking separate podcast, honestly. It's in our document. Um. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> Yet another show that I've forced you to watch um, against your will. <laughs> Fuck. Add it below this one. Um, Sabrina. Oh my god. Well, Stranger you, Things. Did you say Sabrina? I can't even remember. I think so. Maybe not. Maybe I just love Sabrina. We're not. With I just We're assume that I make you. It's either me or Brooke that makes you watch the things that you watch. So it's true, and it's the same shit. Um, if you would have literally, I'm like, I'm like watched all the boys, and Brooke is immediately like watched all the boys. Brooke has it on the TV as you text me. Literally, I'm telling you that you would like it. Um, do you want to tap into the nostalgia thing a little bit more? Because I know you shared. Um, some thoughts about you thinking that it's overdone question mark Uh, yes and no i don't know i feel like (laughs) i mean that's uh that sounds kind of assholey now that i think about it because i feel like no not really especially with i think in certain aspects it is like again another topic we could talk about with the jonas brothers making a comeback their whole livelihood thrives off the nostalgia thing but i think mm-hmm. with, in with tv and movies and stories and stuff like it's kind of necessary almost um because like you said an older person can watch it and they could be like oh this makes me feel like i did when i went through this or a kid in high school can watch it and be like this is exactly how i feel even if it isn't nostalgia i feel like it, yeah, but do you feel you like you can still feel nostalgia without understanding why like i've listened to a song before and be like this makes me think of a time that like I long for that i that i never lived through i don't know if that makes sense but like no it does um, but do you feel like they have to create a set that's similar in regards to like the 80s and even like the music score of the 80s in order to achieve that nostalgia do you think they could have done it set in the current time period um and still achieved it I don't like know. and still had older people like do you think they do it strictly because they want that demographic that older demographic to watch it because they're like oh this looks like it looks like it's in the 80s or do you think that they could do that and still have the older demographic watch and feel nostalgic for a time when they were a teen i think it's kind of necessary i feel like Mm -hmm. uh, it adds to everything there's so many like sensory points to it that it's kind of necessary i know like the plots are completely different but like when i think about book smart which is also like a whole high school movie like that yeah. that score was completely all current music and yeah obviously it was like a happy movie and there wasn't like all this darkness but i didn't feel i just thought it was like a fun movie i didn't really feel nostalgic towards it i didn't feel like oh really like a softness i, I know you and like Brooke connected to the characters different so that's <laughs> probably why yeah um, i mean well but, you also didn't you didn't have that high school experience either I didn't. so i like i miss that but i think that's why i didn't feel nostalgic to it because i was like i don't get to fucking live like this <laughs> i wasn't free yeah <laughs> um because i know but i long this for is it a, yeah because i feel like this is a, again a whole other podcast but um i feel like when i watched 
book smart, I felt, although I graduated, what is it, like three, four years ago now, um, I felt nostalgic for a time when I was a senior in high school because yeah, I, I acted like those girls where I like worked really hard all through high school. And then at the end of it, I was like, well, what now? Um, so That's I feel true. like for me, but although if I would have been in high school in the 90s, as opposed to because all those current songs still resonated with me. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't like Lizzo. It wasn't like I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't like I graduated in the 90s and I was watching it from that perspective. Yeah. Like if if I were to watch it um, in 20 years from now or whatever, I definitely would feel more nostalgic. Yeah. But I don't feel nostalgic for high school when I watch like 80s movies. I just think like, oh, that's, that's a movie. Like, oh, that's 16 Candles or oh, that's The Breakfast Club. But I don't <laughs> long for that same thing. Yeah. I think for Booksmart, like the characters and like the storyline was the nostalgic driven mm -hmm. thing. But for the show, it needed to be everything else because like it was like tying back to Carrie and it was, uh, I don't know. I, I just think it was all purposeful. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I think they could have done it without it, but it was so necessary for what they were trying to the world they were trying to make because i remember texting you like the trailer or something and i said like i hate that i'm such a hoe for like 80s and 90s set stuff <laughs> and i think yeah. they know that the stranger things did so well they like that timeless and i feel like i like that as well like i i long like like you said like i long for a time period that i didn't exist in mm -hmm. um because it feels like things were simpler back then because you hear all the time you hear about yeah. people talking about like how simple things were before social media and how simple things were like before whatever climate change <laughs> like um, this and that and i feel like a lot of these shows purposely leave those aspects of the real world out mm -hmm. um whereas there are other shows that will purposely use social media as a tool yeah. for their plot and i feel like that doesn't work as well I feel like plots no. work best when it's just people connecting. Yeah, especially like because for this plot, it's not really relevant. Like, mm -hmm. it might be later, but for the first season where it's just introducing everything, it's not. And maybe it'll be different next season. Maybe, I don't know. I don't think it will, but like timeline wise, or t I don't know, time period wise, I don't think it'll be different. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. Maybe it won't be separate uh, next season. Yeah. In that same um, article that uh, Sophie Gilbert did, um, she mentioned a lot of uh, stuff about, like, like about them excluding certain aspects of our culture. Mm -hmm. um, and she said, uh, she said the world, the worlds that sect education and I am not okay with this occupy are selectively topical enough to feel relevant in regards to like sex positivity, sexuality, and in mm -hmm. inclusivity. Um, but retro enough to, to be escapist, sidestepping the burden of considering real life. As the debate over art versus algorithm rages on, it's hard to say whether Netflix is deliberately positioning itself as a home for nostalgic content or is simply giving viewers more of what they've proved that they want. Hmm. Hmm. I think it's both. I think it's both because like we've talked about so much P people want the nostalgia people want like you said they want that simpler time so like when they're submerging themselves in all this digital content that's what they want they want mm -hmm. to just escape into that so yeah it is what we want but 
no one else is really doing that as much. I don't watch Hulu as much, but they don't have nearly as much original content, I don't think, like movie and TV show wise. Um, they don't have as much, but they still have. Cool. They have like shows and yeah. stuff. But I, but I also think that Netflix has succeeded really well in doing those things for the most part. So much so that they feel like at this point it's qual it's quantity over quality for them. Yeah, but they're before using the it was all about quantity. Yeah. yeah. No, they're they're sort of using a um they have like a hub almost, like a home for Netflix stars. Like they used to call Noah Centineo a, a like a Netflix, Netflix boyfriend heartthrob. Yeah. Yeah. Um because he's in you see these Netflix films and you're like, oh shit, there's Noah Centineo again. Like that makes sense. Like it's a Netflix play, original. Yeah. And for those two movies he almost played like the exact same character. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, I mean if I don't know, you could have shown me two scenes from each movie and I probably wouldn't have known mm-hmm. the difference unless I saw like the lead female. Um I think it's interesting that in a lot of Netflix films or in the in the Netflix series and films where they don't use uh, like cultural aspects uh, like cell phones and social media and stuff like that, um, I think it's interesting because there also aren't commercials in the like in Netflix shows. So I think that if they were to use um, like cell phones and stuff like that, that would pull you out of the world that they're trying to create. Yeah, there's no um, disruptions. Exactly. Same with like the music scores that they use. I feel like they if they use a modern pop song um then it's going to pull you out of that world and remind you of the fact that you're living in 2020 yeah. um as opposed to this undated world that is sort of based in the 80s but also has songs that are from like original songs that are from like this year um yeah and they they pull out a cell phone once and you're like kind of vaguely reminded of the fact that it's in it's set this year but they don't do it enough to make it like to pull you out of the world that yeah. they're building. It's almost like the time period isn't important, but they make such a quiet point to make it like. Mm-hmm. It's very relevant. subtle. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, do you have any final uh, thoughts? An... Oh, sorry. God. Oh, oh you're fine. <laughs> I just realized. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Fuck. I know. Um, I could talk about the shit forever. I know. Um, but. I don't know. Do you want to talk about the Carrie thing? Because we didn't even bring that up. Yeah, the last few minutes. Our final thoughts are the Carrie thing. I don't even know yeah. what. I don't, I don't. Is it just the telekinetic powers? I don't. That are the connection, or is it like the whole? Idea? I guess. I mean, they did a lot of because you and I, <laughs> you and I were up. Well, I was obsessed with Carrie um, in like 2014, um, and it was kind of like a staple to our friendship almost yeah, um Grace Morant. <laughs> yeah and Ansel Elgort uh, <laughs> and an orange and I was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, <Chloe's> no <laughs> <laughs> uh but no I I loved Chloe Grace Moretz when I was how old was I in 2016 15 um I don't know I'm trying to do the math five years younger than now it was 2014 and it was the summer of 2014 when I was like in love with her so I was 15. Weird. Time is my birthday's in October. I'm tripping right now. <laughs> I'm like, you're like losing your mind oh, over time. Really Nostalgia who? I don't know <laughs> it. Uh, feeling nostalgic <laughs> about Carrie. Literally. <laughs> um, but so, so Carrie was originally an 80s film, right? Mm-hmm. Sissy's um, basic queen. 
Yes, and then they remade it with Chloe Grace Moretz, which is the version that you and I are pretty familiar with. Uh, that play. iconic film. Yes. Um, so I think because you and I watched it so much when we were teenagers, uh, I instantly saw that opening scene where she was like walking along the street and she had like blood yeah. on her and she was in like yeah. a gown. And I instantly was like, oh my God, this is just like Carrie. And like I saw even like the red hair. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And that's like the first um, thing you see, which is so poison. Like they're trying, they, they're doing it on purpose, like without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but what, uh, what's interesting too is when they remade the Carrie, like they made it re- like in current day. Like they used fucking the Vampire Weekend for the score, and like the high yeah, thing was relevant and all that. Um, so I don't know why they made it such a point in this show to. I don't know. Like you said, they're not ignoring when it is, but they're not. Well, not I think ignoring. probably when they were thinking of Carrie, they weren't thinking of like the new version. You know, no, I think they were probably thinking of like the '80s version, and no, I think they probably Chloe. didn't even <laughs> what. No one thought of Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, and I think also uh, Carrie was such a staple to the 80s, you know, yeah, to 80s horror that. movies. Um, and they were sort of like, I didn't catch any references to any other Stephen King works, but I feel like to the creators, at least, if they would have made like an it reference, it would have felt like such a cheap shot. At, yeah, um, but it also feels like just by having sid and stan like the people that play them in the show it sort of feels like a nod to it it feels like a nod to the 80s yeah like they're still um, in that same universe that they were in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's sort of like um having winona Ryder in stranger things yeah she was so big in or the having movie. the guy that was in the goonies right uh the guy that played oh my god what was his name bob in oh, stranger things he oh my god yeah i forgot yeah bob was in season two yeah yeah, okay. I think he yeah. was in The Goonies. I think. I might be wrong. Um, I think so. He was also in Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler and <laughs> True Barry. Not in the 80s, but thank you for what the fun great fact. Movie. <laughs> um, but I think it's like just putting those characters in there is an automatic nod to the things that they were once a part of. Yeah, um, I think so too. And yeah, so. But I think um, my final thoughts. Uh, just on nostalgia as a whole and on uh, Carrie. <laughs> um, in the same article that fucking our girl Sophie Gilbert did, uh, she says that um, when television panders to nostalgia, it isn't just evoking bygone cultural products, but it's evoking a time when hope came more easily. That so, was tea. It did. It's- <laughs> Especially like with the younger generation like um like there's so many jokes about like gen z having no feelings Mm -hmm. about anything and like not giving a fuck about anything because the world feels so bleak like even with my job i not to give too much away i know you guys care but i have four (laughs) kids um and so many of them like are talking about that kind of thing and it's it's kind of scary because I want to have like hope that they have hope, but mm-hmm. it does feel different. They have to face so many different things that weren't around even 20 years ago, 40 years ago, and mm-hmm. now that I think about it. So, yeah, which is wild to think about 40 years ago. 
I feel like a lot of the time, um, not to get too deep in our last like minute, but uh, I feel like Gen Z, because we're both Gen Z too. Um, that explains it. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like with Gen Z kids, uh, a lot of the time it is just like looking for something to bring them back into an era where they never existed. Mm-hmm. That sounds bad, but like to bring them back to like the 80s or whatever when times were simpler because they see that on TV and it's like, okay, they didn't deal with any of the problems then because they don't know about the problems then. Mm-hmm. They just know about like The Breakfast Club and like movies from back then. Yeah. And it, it sort of sets them into a world that they can see better things coming from. Yeah, that they can help create and like change for that Hope, future. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Hope comes more easily. I guess so. <laughs> I guess it does. Um, Good for Sophie. Fuck. Thank you, thank you Sophie Gilbert, uh, for the bulk of our quotes. <laughs> Thanks, Sophie, for tuning in. Um, do you have any final thoughts about the show as a whole? About uh, interested to see where the next season will go. I'm interested to see if that Shadow Man was like. Uh, someone that might mentor like her powers or if it's a bad guy or if it's like i wonder if it's her dad dad. oh my god Mm -hmm. our minds our minds oh my god oh Oh. (laughs) now we're doing good (laughs) an hour an hour in (laughs) we finally found our group (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ uh no i agree though i'm excited to see if it's her dad to see if it's i don't know to see who it is yeah. someone i think i watched an interview where it was uh the people that play um sid and stan and stan was saying uh he was like i have a theory that it's stan from the future and i was like probably not but honestly would be here for it yeah it's next season's about back to the future oh my god that'd be fun they do just like homages to michael fox each 80s film to yeah. michael fox <laughs> as a whole <laughs> to, to michael fox's whole career <laughs> oh my god um well, on that note on michael fox on that note, <laughs> uh thank you guys for tuning in um i think next week what did we say we're even talking about i forget I don't even know. It'll be a surprise for you guys. It'll be a surprise to all of us. Uh, Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. (laughs) It'll be so good. It'll be edited and not a mess like this is about to be. (laughs) Hi, Leah. Hi, Jackie. (laughs) Don't know who else is listening. (laughs) Hi, Leah. Hi, Jackie. Um, Hi, Megan. Um, Probably Jimmy. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Tune in next week for another fucking shit show like this is about to be. Um, we appreciate you. Yes, thank you for spending an hour with us. I'm about to go make yeah. tofu, and Cam is about to go block me on everything. <laughs> so maybe we won't be next week. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, bye everyone. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>